This episode is brought to you by Happy Mammoth. Listen, over the last weekend, I went to a family reunion. And unfortunately, that fell on that particular time of the month that all of the women know what I'm talking about. So I had an attitude. I wanted to eat everything. And I was in the South, which means I wanted to eat everything that was terrible for me. And overall, I just wasn't feeling it. I had a great time, just wasn't feeling like myself. Now it's easier to manage PMS with estro control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now, here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the show code BLESSED at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code BLESSED for 15% off today. You are listening to Blessed and Bossed Up, presented by Anchored Media, an entrepreneurship podcast for Christians all about how to make God the CEO of your business. Get ready to be inspired, challenged, but well-equipped to live and build your destiny His way. Welcome to another episode of the Blessed and Bossed Up podcast. The last few weeks, we've been talking about a lot about getting ready for 2019, um, talking about how we need to level up spiritually to get ready for 2019. But today, I want to talk about how you need to level up as an entrepreneur to get ready for the new year. But before we get into that, I just have to tell y'all how much I cried last week. Like, And I'm a thug, so these were thug tears that I cried, right? Um, I cried so much last week just because I always get a lot of emails and DMs and things from you guys that really touch my heart. But it seems like I don't know what God is doing, but it just seems like last week it was just overwhelming. And I cried probably every day. I mean, I got tons of DMs and emails from people who are reading my book right now and just talking about how much it has blessed their lives. Um, I, and it's crazy because when I get feedback from the book, it really touches me because I know how hard I fought to get the book out. And I don't think I shared this story, but prior to, I I post, I think I might've posted about it on social media, but when, um, I had got the proof for the book prior to me actually putting it out, when I got the proof for the book, I cried. And these were not happy thug tears. These was these were sad thug tears because I felt like I just proceeded to nitpick every single thing. I was like, it's not long enough. And, and you know, I'm a straightforward person. And so, of course, if I'm going to write a book, it's not going to be one of those books where you got to read 50 pages to get to one point. Like every single sentence means something because to me, that's how I am in real life. I'm straight to the point. So of course my book would be the same way, but my insecurity was telling me, Oh, um, it's not long enough. All the bestsellers are like 300 pages. This book is only like 
less than 200 pages. You're not, you know, it's, I was nitpicking. It's small, it's this, it's that. And I was just like crying. And I remember texting my friends, uh, Tish and Tiana, and Tish was kind of like, Tatum, be nice to yourself, as she always tells me. But I was really just beating myself up. And so I was praying. I was like, God, I thought you said this book was done. Why do I feel like this? I'm not, I should be excited or whatever. And God was just like, the book is finished. But I still nitpicked it. And I actually did make some small edits um, to it after getting the proof, but nothing major. But, um, but yeah, I just was so, I don't know. I just wasn't feeling right, but I knew it was the enemy trying to get me to pull back on it. Cause I was literally about to just give everybody their money back and be like, the book is not coming out. But I knew I had to push through because, you know, God told me to. And so I did. And then once I got past that little emotional hurdle of the enemy trying to get me not to put this book out, then as I'm going to ship out the books, to um, everybody who pre-ordered. Right now it's available on Amazon only, so I'm not actually personally shipping out anything anymore. But for the pre-orders, I personally shipped them out. So when I was going to, I was uh, loaded up my car, about to go to the um, post office, because when I put out the prayer journal, the I arranged for a pickup, because USPS will come and pick your stuff up when you have a lot. And they never showed up. And I had to, it was raining, sleep, hailstorm this was back before in like April and it was a lot going on with the weather and I live on like the third floor so I'm running up and down steps with all these boxes loading up my car I got the wind is blowing a lot I got panel from the roof hit me in the face like it was a lot getting those journals out so of course trying to get these books out was no different so um my I, I load up my car my car like won't start I've had my car there. I don't have like a hoopty. It's like a reliable car. I bought my car new in 2014. It's Nissan. Very reliable, trustworthy, normal car, right? This joint would not start. I didn't have no lights on. Nothing was wrong with it. I took it to get an oil change and a maintenance check like less than 20, less than two months ago. So to in my mind, my car is perfectly fine. So why is it not starting? And as soon as it wouldn't start, I just started laughing. I was like, this, this is crazy. Every time I do something, I create a product that God told me to do or do anything that God told me to do. Here comes the enemy trying to play me. So I just started laughing and was like, okay. Um, and I didn't even really worry about the car at that moment. Luckily I was at home. Praise God. I was at home. So it was nothing to just leave the car. So I had, um, called an Uber, load up the Uber's car. They took me to the post office got another Uber to go back home. And then I dealt with, with my car, but it was just so crazy how twice the devil tried to stop this book from coming out. So when I get people's feedback from them reading it and how it's just really improved their life, it just makes all of the the headaches of what I had to go through to get these things out, not even just with the book, but the journal, it just really touches my heart because I know how the enemy really tried to stop me from getting both of those things out. But nevertheless, this last week was just so overwhelming from all the DMs. So then in addition to like the emails and the DMs, I had got like a thank you note in the mail. And so I, I give a lot. I've given more this year than I've ever given. And I don't really talk about giving um, as I talk about tithing and stuff, but I don't talk too much about how I give to other people. Um, but so I had got a letter or a thank you note in the mail on like maybe Wednesday 
And this was somebody who I f- we have mutual friends, but we don't know each other personally like that. So I'm sure she got my address from one of our mutual friends. And so um, she has sent me a thank you note. And, and I follow we follow each other on Instagram. And she was posting one day and, and she was in her stories and she was just talking. And she had mentioned something like um, she had mentioned something about like waking up in the dark, but she's still praying and this, that and the other. And I, it made me curious, like, why did she wake up in the dark? And so God was like, ask her. So I asked her, I said, hey, you mentioned that you woke up in the dark. Like, are your lights off? And she was like, and I was like, I'm sorry if I'm being intrusive. And she was like, um, yeah. And so um, God was like, I heard God told me to pay it all for. So I said, hey, how much is it for your, um, to get your lights cut back on? So she told me the amount. So I said, okay, what's, what's your information? Like the account number, whatever I'm a, I'm a pet. God is leading me to pay it. Cause Tatum is a little cheap. So God is leading me to pay it. And so, um, she sent me the information. I called them and she actually had like a, a high back balance. So I was, so, so God was like, pay the whole thing. And I was like, Lord, this is, uh, this ain't like no couple hundred dollars. This is almost a G like you want me to pay this whole thing, but okay, I'll do whatever. So did what God told me to do. So I, I, uh, messaged her back and I was like, Hey, um, I paid the whole balance off. So you're good. They say they're going to cut the lights back on today. And I was like, you know, God let me to do this. And, and, this is a, this is a, I forgot what I, what the message was specifically, but it was around like, you know, this is symbolic of even in your darkest moments, God would always provide the light for you. So don't ever think that he's too far and he doesn't hear your prayers. It was something to that effect. So it was a nice moment. You know, I kind of forgot about it and just moved on. Um, and so that was a long time ago though. That was some months ago. And so, um, she had actually sent me a thank you note in the mail and, I kind of forgot about it. So when I was reading just her words and the thank you note about how, you know, she was feeling distance, distant from God and that him using me to help her in that way just really allowed her to put some things into perspective and help increase her faith and things like that. So that, of course, had me crying thug tears. Then um, still get messages all week. So then I get a letter in the mail and I want to say thank you to this person. I feel like I know who it is um, because somebody did ask me for my business mailing address. So I'm going to verify if that was them so I can say thank you. But um, so I got a handwritten letter in the mail um, in my P.O. box. And so my mother and I share a P.O. box. So my mom actually got it bef- and I, um, before and just sent it to me. I didn't have it. My mom had it. But she had called me and sent me pictures of what it was so this person wrote me this long letter uh, about how the podcast has helped them and share some personal things but what was interesting was they wanted to sew into my life and she sent me a money order for 555 dollars and I was just like looking at this number like why 555 and it dawned on me that um in church we've been learning a lot about grace and five is the number of grace. And so the definition of grace is God unmerited favor. And my pastor was always talks about how God will do whatever it takes to make you win. He'll make the sun stand still. He'll part the Red Sea. But his grace just shows how he 
gave his only son for the world. Like all of this is because of God's grace. And again, the definition is his unmerited favor. And so for me, I felt like that was just my reminder of God's grace on my life. And it it just made me feel so good. And of course I'm shedding thug tears because I was, I remember I was sitting in the car when my mother sent the uh, picture of the letter and told me, you know, about the money order or whatever. And um, I was sitting in the car and I was like, man, God, I remember when I was praying to you because I just wanted my life to mean something. You know, I I knew that you put me on this earth for something and I was struggling trying to figure out what my purpose was for so long. And I was dibbling, dabbling in certain things. And I would I was I was thinking my purpose was one thing, but you just continue to evolve it. But now just this the overwhelming amount of messages and things that I'm getting from people who I've impacted through this platform that I've totally surrendered to you. It's like, I, it's just God's grace. Like I can't, I don't even know how to describe it, but I was literally bawling because I just couldn't believe it. Like, man, God, little old me, you use me to impact people in this way. Like nothing that I'm still waiting on God to give me compares to the amount of love that I received this week from people. So, or last week from people. So I I just want to say to anybody that's struggling with their purpose or who are being obedient to God and not seeing the results of that just shed as far as like monetarily or the results in your business, really think about the, the lies that you're going to be impacted. I know I said this some episodes ago, like even for the person who is struggling with stepping out in faith and stepping out with, um, into that thing that God may have called you to do when you're struggling with that what if or you're being paralyzed by fear. Think about what if you don't and the people's lives that are at stake as a result of you being obedient. So for me, just the amount of love that I got this week and this letter that really just drove it home with the the money order. And it's not even about the the amount. Like I ain't even really rushing to deposit it. It's amount, it's a it's a about the number and just that remembrance of God's grace and it just made me feel so good and it made me so happy and grateful that I've been so faithful to God's plan for me thus far so I wanted to share that with you guys um, and share how it made me feel because I want you guys to understand that even in the midst of like I said waiting for the things that God has for you there's so much peace and joy In this season, especially when you're being obedient, because then you'll be able to see the fruit of your obedience. And the fruit isn't always the monetary. It isn't always the business success. It's those individual lives that are being changed. Those individuals who are growing in their relationship with God because of you. Those individuals who are leaving situations that no longer serve them because of you. Those individuals who are impacted by whatever it is that you were called to do. That's where the the real success is. So yeah, I wanted to share that before we got into the business stuff for today's episode. Um, But yeah, so let's move on to what we're going to be talking about today. Today, we are talking about getting your business ready for 2019. So this week, after you listen to this episode, I really want you to spend some time in your business, like looking deep into your business so that when you're making your 2019 goals, you're not just pulling them out of thin air and then repeating the same mistakes 
or the same, um, yeah, the same mistakes that you did this year. There might even be some mistakes after you go over the things we're going to talk about. There might still be some mistakes. There might be some mistakes, excuse me, that you didn't even know that you were making. So I have four questions for you. And I want you to write these things down and really like pray about them, do them, spend some time in your business so that you're making the right goals for 2019. No surface level goals, but really making the right goals for 2019 and also improving upon the things that you uh, didn't do right this year or even continuing, making sure that you're um, intentional about continuing the things that you did do right this year. So the first question I have for you is, is where you're spending your time giving you a real return on investment. If you have a social media, um, a social media, if you have an iPhone, they got this new thing where it's, it's called screen time. And it tells you how much time you're spending on um, different apps on your phone. So let's take social media for an for an example. A lot of us like to say, oh, I'm on online because I'm an entrepreneur and this helps with my business or whatever. But I want you to take the amount of hours that you're spending on social media or any of those apps, really. But let's just take social media. Take the amount of time that you're spending on there and compare that to the amount of money that you're making as a result of social media. Because if the numbers don't add up, you're wasting your time and you're not giving a true uh, return on investment for your time. If you're spending 30 hours a week on social media and don't tell me that's a lot because I promise you, if you look at your screen time right now, you've probably spent that last week. Um, But if you're spending 30 hours a week on social media and you only made $300 that week from sales, from social media, I want to keep it very specific then you're telling me that your time is worth $10 an hour. That's not a lot of money. That's not even minimum wage. Would you work a job for 30 hours a week for $10? I know you didn't go to college for that. I know you didn't start your business for that. So why is it that you're not really taking true inventory of your time? So that's something I really want you to do as you're preparing for 2019. What is giving you... Um, a return on investment. And even if you're a a service-based business, how can you even expect people to pay you top services for your time when you don't even value it? If your time is only worth to your business $10 an hour based on how much you're spending on social media versus how much you're making, then how are you charging people hundreds of dollars an hour? That doesn't really make sense. So we really have to make sure that the things that we're spending our time on is giving us a real return on investment. So in order for you to figure that out, though, do an audit of your time. So for the next couple of days, really just write down every single thing that you're spending your time on. And everybody likes to talk about balance, right, or or being too busy um, and things like that. But nobody wants to talk about how they're being irresponsible with the time that they have. We're going to always have 24 hours in a day. That's not going to change. So even the time that you spend talking about your busy, uh, I can't talk. Even the time that you spend talking about the fact that you're busy is wasting time. It's not giving a return on investment. So it's not about complaining. It's about being resourceful. So a lot of people always say we have the same 24 hours in a day as Beyonce. So whenever I see that somebody also has the argument of, well, Beyonce has a team, she has all of this. So giving excuses for why somebody else of a certain stature 
can accomplish more things than us. When in actuality, we just got to be resourceful. I, I talked about this book a lot last year. I don't think I mentioned it too much this year, but um, it's a book by Damon John called The Power of Broke. It's a great book, and it just talks about how when you don't have money, you're very resourceful. I remember when I was in college, I didn't have um, the money to buy a coffee maker. I've been drinking coffee since I was a teenager. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm a coffee drinker. And so I didn't have the money to get a new coffee maker because the one I had previously had broke. So what I did was I got resourceful. I bought some coffee. This was before Keurig, so it wasn't as easy to just pop a cake up in and make a cup of coffee. But I had like a coffee filter. I had the coffee grounds, whatever, and I had some hot water. So I boiled some water, and I was like, okay, I'm going to put the coffee in the filter, and then I'm going to pour the hot water into the filter, and then un- then out of the filter is going to dr- drop the coffee. So in essence, that's exactly what a coffee maker does. I just didn't have the actual maker and I had to manually do this. But I figured it out and I made coffee like that for a long time until I got a job and was able to buy myself a coffee maker. But I was resourceful with the things that I had, even though I didn't have the money to necessarily buy something. So for you guys who are struggling with your time or you feel like you don't know how to balance everything, be resourceful. You know, a lot... A lot of people in the beginning of forming their businesses can't necessarily afford a team. But the great thing about technology right now is we have all of these resources to where you don't even have to hire actual people most of the time. So let's say you do spend a lot of time on social media. You understand that social media is important for your business. But after you did that little simple uh, division problem, you realized that you were lowballing your time and you needed to, to, to apply that time to other things, but you still need to use social media. So now what do you do, right? So you just get a, a, a system like a Planoly, a Buffer or a Hootsuite or whatever that can be your social media manager for you. You spend your time creating the strategic content that's going to actually get you that return on investment and you schedule it in one of those systems and they post it for you. So that way you're not spending your time getting caught up and distracted being a consumer on social media and you're spending your time using it for what it needs to be used for. So again, question number one is where where you're spending your time giving you a return on investment. Really think about that this week. Are you spending too much time going to networking events that's not even allowing you to meet anybody substantial? Everybody that's there is just turning up. That's there for the drinks and the food. They're not really there to talk about anything serious. Where have you spent your time this year that didn't give you a return on investment? It's the end of the year. It's time to really reflect on what worked and what didn't so that we don't uh, take those same things into 2019. Number two, are you collecting enough data in your business to make strategic decisions? Now, this is a big one. A lot of people... I found um, when I talk to people about entrepreneurship, especially people who are just starting businesses, is they just do a lot of stuff they think they should do, but they don't have any type of strategy in place or don't even know where to start to get a strategy. And um, one of the, besides money, one of the best things that you can have in your business is data because data will tell you everything that you need to know in order to make money. You need as much data as possible to make educated decisions. So as you're making your 2019 goals, what data are they based on? 
Because if you don't base it on any type of data, then you'll be doing the exact same thing next year. So when I say data, I mean, let's say you have a website and you're an e-commerce business and you have a website. What, what analytics tools are you using to collect information about the people that's on your website as well as what they're doing when they're on your website? So, for example, I worked with a client when I was doing consulting and she had an e-commerce business and um, she wasn't getting the sales that she wanted. So I'm like, okay, well, let's look at let's start with the website. We audited her social media, her website, everything. But for the sake of this example, like, let's talk about the website. So we looked at her website and I was I asked her, what are your analytics? What is your what are the numbers? What is the data telling you is going on on your website? So we know one one part of the data is you're not making any money. So why? So she was saying that she had a really high bounce rate. So for those of you who don't know, a bounce rate is pretty much when somebody goes on your website and they leave without doing anything. So what that tells me is when somebody comes on your website, there's nothing keeping them there. So now we need to figure out how to keep people on your website and figure out what it is that they need to do. And so we went deeper into like her business and things like that. She had a a natural um, skincare product line. And so I was like, what we went deeper to figure out what problems were she solving, what she's solving with her products. So with her products in particular, she solved um, skin problems. So people had dry skin, her products helped with that eczema. They helped with that. I'm like, okay, let's make the, the homepage, wherever the first place that people go on your website, generally, that website needs to appeal to them and not you. That's a big mistake a lot of people make with their websites is it's all about the company and not about the customer. That's why the customer don't say. That's why they don't stay on the website because all they see is everything about you and they don't see themselves in it, so they don't need to be there anymore. So with her, we made the website about the customer instead. So now they knew what to do. So now when they go on the website, they can say, oh, I have eczema. Let me click there to see what I can use to help with it. So now the the website is positioned to solve their problem. So they're staying on it longer. Another thing with her, um, we'll talk about that when it comes to my next point. But yeah, we had to look at her data to figure out how to fix it. So a lot of times the you don't what's the best way I can say this? A problem is always better when you have clear instructions on how to fix it. And the way that you have clear instructions on how to fix it is to have enough data and information that tells you what's going on. So for you guys, as you're building your businesses, what do you have in place to collect data? If you have a website, you need to have Google Analytics. I know your website probably has some little minuscule analytics software with it, but use Google Analytics because Google Analytics provides way more information and there's so much more you can do with it. I'm not going to get into that. It's a whole digital marketing conversation, but there's so much more you can do with Google Analytics. So I suggest if you have a website, get Google Google Analytics, especially if you're an e-commerce site. Um, it's free. Google provides so many trainings on that'll get you caught up to how it works and all of that. But again, what data do you have in place? If you have a podcast, iTunes doesn't give you, doesn't automatically give you, um, analytics. They have like this little data program. I mean, beta program right now that is trash, but you have to use some type of third party to understand your audience. So I use pod track POD, T-R-A-C, just rewind this if you need to hear the website again. But I use it to tell me what's going on with my audience. So 
for you guys, please take the survey. The link is in the in the show notes. But they have a survey survey software as well to where I can gather more information about you, about you guys. So when I'm talking to advertisers, I can say, hey, these are our average downloads per month. This is the audience that listens to the show. This is how long they listen to the show, things like that. So um, it's important to have the data. So, But then if because I have data, let's say, my downloads drop significantly. I could be like, what happened between this month and that month? Let's say I changed the content a little bit. That that means that my audience doesn't care about that content. They care about what I talked about the previous month because that's when they were sharing it with their audience and all of this stuff. Or I can look to see, okay, what was my most played episode within uh, 2018? Then I can say, okay, my audience cares a lot about this particular subject. So let me find other ways to to drive that particular point home so that I will continue to appeal to what they like the most. So data will always allow you to make strategic decisions. You just need to make sure you have data in place. Do you have sales funnels in your business? A sales funnel is awesome because the funnel allows you to determine where you're leaving money on the table, where people are getting stuck, why people aren't buying from you. It tells you everything you need to know. So a funnel looks like an upside down triangle. So let's say your triangle was real thick in the hips, right? It just had this random lump in the middle of the sales funnel. That tells you that in that particular part of the funnel, whatever it is you're doing right there, maybe it's the freebie you're offering, maybe it's the consultation you're doing, whatever it is that you're offering right there, people are getting stuck and not continuing on to the next part of your funnel or not continuing on to spend money with you. So now because you know where the problem is coming from, because you have the structure in place, now that you know where the the problem is coming from, you can easily fix it. Or you can play around and test some things to see, okay, this this helped uh, with my sales funnel. This helped increase my conversion rate. This didn't necessarily work, so I'm going to go with this one that solved the problem. So again, you got to make sure in 2019 and no, you need to make sure now that you have the the structure in place in your business and you're collecting data so that you can make educated decisions as the business owner. And if you don't have these things in place, you need to get to work because you can't go into 2019 still having this sporadic business that has that isn't making any money, that has no structure in place, that has nothing but some Instagram pages and a half done website. Like we're not doing that. Just like I said, we're going deeper in our relationship with God and we're not taking surface level faith into twenty nine into twenty nineteen. We're not taking uh weak businesses into twenty nineteen either. Your business needs some backbone too. We are we're not allowing our businesses to stay broken in 2019 that's a lot of you guys have aspirations you may have a a job right now and you have aspirations to be self-employed but what you're doing right now is not going to get you there if you don't have a right the right skeletal system in place in your business so that was number two are you collecting enough data to make strategic decisions all of these questions that I'm asking in the midst of, of the main question Really write these things down because this is something you have to spend some time with. This is the work that you got to do that people don't see to make sure that you're making the money and seeing the results that you want to see in your business. 
So recap, point number one is is where you're spending your time giving you a real return on investment. Point number two, are you collecting enough data to make strategic decisions? Number three, are you leaving money on the table? Because sometimes you might be making money. You might think you're doing all right, but you're still leaving money on the table that you need to pick up, okay? Um, so at the end of last year, when I prayed about 2018 and I was really like, okay, God, this year is me and you. Like, what we doing? What you want from me? In 2018, all of these things, one of the things that God told me was that I needed to focus on him, be obedient, and not worry about the result. The hardest thing for me is to not worry about the result. I am the type of person who is very results-oriented. We talked about Chris Daniel animal assessment. And when I took his animal assessment, I'm a gorilla. So what that means is I'm very results-driven. I don't care about trying. I care about the outcome. Like, I don't care if you worked all day on it, if it ain't get done. That doesn't matter to me. I care about the result. If we didn't reach the intended result, we failed, period. So I'm very like, I can be harsh sometimes, but I'm very straightforward about being results driven. And that's with everything. And so because I know that about myself, when God tells me don't worry about the result, that's very difficult for me. So I knew in order for me to stay on track with my relationship with God and growing spiritually, I had to silence my inner gorilla and really hone in on applying I had to silence my inner gorilla for the business and had to focus on applying that gorilla to my faith so that I can apply that same work ethic of results. I don't care about how much I pray. Did I hear from God or not? If not, then I need to do more. I don't care how many times I read the Bible. Did I, inter- did I internalize it in a way to where I can apply it to my life? If not, then I need to go deeper. So I was able to still apply that same aggressiveness to my relationship with God, but I couldn't apply it to the business. Otherwise, I would have went to doing things in my own strength and not letting God be the CEO. So this year, I really did have to learn how to make God the CEO, keep him as the CEO, and then apply my guerrilla nature to the things he tells me to do, as opposed to using it to take his place. And it was was difficult to figure that out this year. But I'm finally in a place where I get it. I'm comfortable with it. I'm, I'm proud of where I've grown um, spiritually, and I'm ready to tap back into the gorilla for the business because I now am I now am spiritually mature enough to where I won't allow that to come before God. So because of that, all of this stuff I'm talking to you guys about are things that I've been doing, and so now I'm looking at my business and asking myself this question number three of, are you leaving money on the table? Now, God kind of just flipped my whole business over because I was doing consulting. I was working with people one-on-one. God says, don't do that anymore. So my business was majority service-based last year. So now this year, no services other than speaking. I don't have any services. It's mostly just products now. Speaking, products and the other things that God is leading me to that I haven't talked about yet so now I'm like okay this is different you know last year I had a, I had a nice flow my sales funnel was working as far as um, once I fixed it my sales funnel was working very well as far as the service go so now being more so of a product-based business I'm like okay God 
or not necessarily okay God, but to myself, like, okay, Tatum, you need, now that you're ready, you need to apply this gorilla to this, um, to this new structure that you have in your business. And so in order for you to answer the question of, are you leaving money on the table? You have to know the data. So that's why number two was talking about collecting data because you're not even going to know if you're leaving money on the table if you aren't collecting enough data to tell you that. So I'm kind of going to go over two ways that I've been leaving money on the table um, once I've decided to look back into the business. And once I realized this, I laughed because I was okay with leaving money on the table. Like that's a part of me focus, of me this year focusing on my relationship with God and my spiritual life, as opposed to being so aggressive in business was I knew that I was probably going to leave some money on the table, but I was willing to sacrifice that in order to get to the place that I am spiritually. And that's something that, that you guys need to think about as well. Sometimes, some, sometimes you have seasons for certain things. You may make less money in your business, but grow to a whole new light, uh, a whole new level spiritually. I'm not saying you always have to sacrifice one for the other, but you do have to to figure out which one is more important to you in that moment. For me, I had to sacrifice a little bit the business part for the spiritual because I knew by doing the business part, it I knowing me well enough, like I said I knew that it was going to conflict with the spiritual because I was going to try to solve all my problems and be this gorilla towards all my problems instead of seeking God for everything. So you got to know yourself enough to know how to maneuver um, the faith in the business. But um, yeah, just telling you my experience. So for me, now that I'm looking back into the business, here are a couple ways that I left money on the table. So knowing my numbers, right? Let's talk about emails. I left my email rate, my open rate for my emails is like 46%. That's an excellent email open rate. I don't sell a lot in my emails. A lot of my emails are like follow-ups to the podcast where I may open up about something spiritually, give some advice. I don't sell a lot in my emails. Uh, I have probably about 2,000 people. Well, not probably. I have over 2,000 people on my email list. So that means if I send out an email to everybody on my list, I can guarantee about a thousand people opening it. So for me to have this type of numbers to where I know a thousand people are open my emails and I'm not selling to my list, I'm leaving money on the table. And it's a good problem to have because I'm building trust with my audience, but it's something that I have to think about like, okay, as I'm, as I'm focusing on what I need to do better in 2019, as far as my business is concerned, it's to utilize email marketing better. Because here are my numbers. Here's what the data is telling me. People are opening up the um, the emails. People are clicking the link to go listen to whatever episode I'm elaborating on. So now I need to incorporate sales into my um, email marketing strategy so that people can purchase from there as well. And another way I've been leaving money on the table <laughs> is with the podcast. So the podcast does convert well into customers for me. But remember, I'm a gorilla, so good is never good enough. <laughs> so I can I can guarantee that every month a little over 25,000 people will download multiple episodes of this show. So if I and I'm not even talking about streams. 
Because if if I was adding streams into that, that would be like adding a whole nother hundred thousand plus people a month. But I'm only talking about the the people who will download it because these are like the core audience members because streams can be inconsistent. So these are the core audience members. I know I got a core audience of a, a little over 25,000 people. So the fact that I haven't sold 25,000 books or 25,000 journals means I'm leaving money on the table. Because if I would have sold 25,000 journals and 20, 25,000 books, I would have a million dollars by now. So that means that I'm leaving money on the table. So the money I'm making is cool, but because I'm looking at my data, because I'm looking at the numbers and the structure that I have in place, something is wrong. If my website, let's say for the podcast course that I put out last week, I did well with that. I met my revenue goal for that first week. But if I look at the amount of people who were on the page, who got to the point where they were about to purchase it versus the people that purchased it, I left money on the table. That conversion rate needs to be higher. I could have made way more than I actually made. So then the lesson then becomes to me, it's not something to get upset about or to be all sad about. It's, just, it's about, okay, how do I solve this problem? So yeah, I'm happy and grateful for the money that I've made and all these things and the people that I've helped and all of that. All that is awesome. But as a business owner, I'm oh, sorry, y'all, I'm talking with a pen. So I'm probably making a lot of noise. But um, so yeah, all of that is great. But I'm leaving money on the table because compared to the million dollars, if I would have converted my listeners to customers, I would have converted all my listeners to customers for um, my book and my journal, I would have had a million dollars by now. So what I made compared to that is not good enough. So now I need to figure out, okay, what do I need to do? And I don't even have to convert a hundred, a hundred percent of the core audience of this show. That's unrealistic. But even 60% of that, like I should be at least in like the half a million dollar mark. So obviously I'm leaving money on the table and I need to do something different. So for you guys, I'm opening up about that so that you can look at what's on your plate right now with your business and how you're leaving money on the table. Figure that out. This week really takes some time to look at your data. Look at the people who are on your site versus converting to customers. Look at the people who you talk to and have consultations with versus who sign as a, a client of yours. Really look at those numbers. If you have if you have an e-commerce business, what are people doing once they get to your site? Remember that bounce rate. Are people leaving after they get to the front page? How can you fix that to keep them to their site, on your site? Are they abandoning their carts? What can you do to what can you implement in that last step of the buying process to recover those people who have abandoned their carts? Speaking of e-commerce, Fashion Nova is like great when it comes to digital marketing. Like I know we talk, we see like celebrities and they close all the time. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that I could have something in my cart, X out of the tab on my computer and get a message on Facebook about the clothes that I left in the cart with a discount code. Like, what? And then if I just so happen to not respond on Facebook, get an email about the clothes that I left in my cart and um, a discount code or something to entice me to go back on it and purchase. Like, that's excellent digital marketing. That means they're, they're putting 
they're putting a lot of effort and money into converting people into customers, especially those people who have already picked out stuff that they like. They just haven't purchased yet. Like that's all digital marketing. So for you guys who have e-commerce businesses, you have to prioritize digital marketing because that's how you make your money. So if somebody is logged in on Facebook and on your site, you should be able to send them a, um, a, a message. So again, how are you leaving money on the table? Look at your numbers, compare them, and figure out what you need to do to increase that, that conversion rate. When it came to the client that I talked about who has the skincare line, one of the things was I was explaining to her and that we worked on was the best customer is somebody who has already purchased from you. So I asked her, like, how long does it take for somebody to get through your product? So let's say they, use, they bought some shampoo. How long does it take if they wash their hair as much as they as often as they are supposed to? How long does this bottle of shampoo last? I don't remember what she said, but let's say she said um, three months. So I'm like, okay, you need to keep in touch with that person over the course of the three months. And then at the end of that three months, when it's about time for their product to be over, it's time for them to go back and purchase Again, so you have to to make sure that you're getting them to go back and purchase again. So we came up with like some email funnels and and not email funnels where she like bombarding them with just foolishness or sales, but ways that she's genuinely providing value to them over the course of those three months and then sending them back to the site to repurchase what they already had and upsell them to something else that might even that might help even more to solve their problem. So these are the things that you have to think about when it comes to your business. Are you leaving money on the table? Then if you have a service-based business, I don't want to leave our service-based business people out there. But how many consultations are you having versus clients? When I was doing consulting in the beginning, it was the point where I was so booked with consultations but my conversion rate was trash. And I was like, what is happening? Why am I talking to people seemingly all day, every day, and they're not converting over into clients? And, and other people will be like, oh, that's you're so busy or you have all these consultations. I don't care about that. I care about the bottom line. <laughs> you know, I'm a gorilla, right? I care about the bottom line. If I can, if I could talk to two people a week and those two people convert over into $5,000 clients, then I just made my $10,000 for the month and I only talked to two people that week. Like, come on. Or I just made $10,000 that week and I only talked to two people. That's what I want to do. So I was like, something is wrong if I'm talking to people so much and they're not converting. So I was like, okay, let me go back to the drawing board. So I figured out, that the podcast, this was the pre pre uh, before Christ version of the podcast. This was this was podcast BC, right? Um, and that podcast with me and Milan, it was more of us just like girl chatting about business. So what I realized was when I was talking to people on the phone, they kind of wanted to like girl chat about business, and I'm like, um, I'm trying to convert you. This is a sales call. This is not a a pick my brain session. So I was like, okay, what am I doing wrong? So I was like, okay, now that I realize that they're giving me the same energy that I'm giving on a podcast, I need to change my energy. 
And so on the podcast, I started being a little bit more authoritative, a lot more authoritative as far as inspirational, because inspiration don't make you money. You have to solve a problem. Nobody's going to pay you to be inspired. There's plenty of free ways to do that. You have to solve a problem and present a solution in order to make money. And so um, for me, I had to increase my authoritative voice. So I started talking a lot more about my expertise and creating conversations around my expertise as opposed to just chit-chatting about business. And that was one of the things I did. I also did, I added extra layers into my sales funnel. So as opposed to just telling people, hey, sign up for me, sign up to talk to me for a call, I put more buffers in place. So then I, um, I offer more freebies. So my strength is training. My strength is being able to talk and teach somebody something. So doing eBooks and stuff like that, it wouldn't be beneficial to highlighting my strengths because I'm a better talker. So um, I did a lot of trainings because I'm still selling myself. So of course, I want to present myself in the format that's best for somebody to want to hire me. So I started doing more trainings. And then I would only offer the consultations as a follow-up to the training. Then before they could even get on the phone, I, I added an application that they had to fill out before they can either even schedule the call. So then on the application, I'm asking questions to see if they're even serious or not. So if they're not serious or if they're not ready to make a, an investment, and if their budget is not within the cost of my services, then I'm not even getting on the phone because it's a waste of both of our time. So I'm not even going to get on the phone at that point. So once I, and then in addition to that, I asked for information about their business on the application. So that way, by the time we got on the phone, I was able to speak in a way that appealed to your particular business. Because if I'm on the phone and this is a sales call and we're learning if we're a good fit to work with each other, and I'm talking about an e-commerce business and you got a service-based business, that doesn't make any sense. But because I have information prior to us getting on the phone, okay, now I can actually speak to your problems, which will further increase my conversion rate. So then once I did that, put the, all of these structures now in place instead of what I was doing before, now I was talking to people a whole lot less and making a whole lot more money. And, and and it got so, the flow got so good to where by the time I got on the phone, because I had did so much prior to getting on the phone, I told you I was tired of talking to people and not making money. Like, it, I I did not like that at all. It was, it was a waste of my time to me when my goal was to make money. So um, it got so good, the flow got so good where I would get on the phone and people only questions would be how much and when can I start? Like, that was it. And so it, it was great. It worked. God threw a whole monkey wrench in that. <laughs> but it was doing, I was doing very well after I looked to see what was not working, how I was leaving money on the table, how I was not getting a return on investment for my time. And I put things in place to fix the problem that I had. And then the last thing is you really have to, sometimes you got to take a step back and realize when you do need outside help. I had a business coach for a while. I had a business coach prior to even doing consulting when I had my youth program. I had a business coach from like 2016 to 2017. I hired her again once I left my nine to five and was still um, and was going through all of these things that I was telling you guys about with the consulting and stuff like that. I hired her again because I knew I don't know everything. 
So let me talk, let me hire somebody who has the expertise in the problems that I have that's going to help me and guide me through what it is that I'm trying to do. So sometimes you got to take a step back and know when it's time, time to hire help. I had somebody ask me on Instagram recently, like, how did you go from being an, um, an employee to being a full-time entrepreneur? I hired a business coach who specialized in being an employee to who specialized in taking people from being an employee to a full-time entrepreneur. She had a track record of success. And I knew that if somebody else had the blueprint, why am I about to waste my time and my brain space trying to figure it out? Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And that's what happened. And of course, there are tons of things I'm going to have to learn on my own. But why add to that plate when I can just hire somebody else to, to teach me what I don't know? And so some of you guys really need to make that decision now. You've been trying to build the business for yourself for so long, and it's not working. You're still leaving money on the table. You still have no controls in place. You still have no systems in place. You still don't know how to, to balance your, your uh, life. You still don't know how to be disciplined with your time. You need to hire somebody. And that may be the one game changer that's going to take you from where you are right now to where you want to be. I mean, I have a meeting. I'm so pro, like pro hiring people. Like I've never felt like I was too smart to hire somebody. I would actually much rather pay somebody <laughs> to tell me what to do because I know my strength is I'm, I'm very results driven and I'm, I'm very good at analyzing things. So once you tell me what to do and I do it, I can always find a way to make it better. And so knowing that it works for me to hire people because then I'll just apply my strengths to their expertise and I'll get the results that I'm looking for. So knowing that about myself, I know what I need to do whenever I feel like I'm stuck. Some of y'all need to hire people. And a lot of people talk about the, 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 the concept of I don't have the money to hire people. And I talked about that many episodes ago about how money is too easy to get for it to be an excuse. You can literally buy something from the dollar store and sell it on eBay and make money. Like it's so easy to just get find ways to to make money to invest back in your business. It's too easy for that to be an excuse. But some of y'all really aren't even willing to pay the price to get what it is that you're looking for. There was somebody who I was watching, I think, a conference recording that I got, and she was saying that when she wanted to be a millionaire, she hired a coach and paid. When she was ready to advance into the millionaire category or make another level of millions, I don't know. She was already in the millions and she was trying to make more. Um, she hired a coach, a business coach, and paid like $50,000. But she knew she wasn't going to level up paying a couple hundred dollars. Like, what is that? Do you get, you have to make sure that you're, um, one, investing in the right place. But also, if you're not investing a lot of money, how can you expect to get a lot back. Like the people who are really worth it are going to cost money. So we got to stop being cheap when it comes to our businesses, especially when we don't want people to be cheap when it comes to them buying, buying from our businesses. But that's a whole different story for a whole different day. <laughs> but um, yeah, you have to figure out when it's time to hire somebody. So for me, now that I know I'm ready to get back into gorilla mode in my business and realizing that my priorities now have shifted a lot. You know, now, aside from being an entrepreneur, I have a responsibility in the kingdom of God with the way that he's using me. And there's so many other ways that God is, is going to be using me soon that I haven't even told you guys about. Things that I've been getting so much confirmation on that I haven't even shared with anybody. And because I know now that I have this new level of responsibility in the kingdom of God, that comes before everything. 
And then I'm about to get married. So I'm about to become a wife. That's a whole nother layer of responsibility I'm adding to my life now. So I would be naive to think that I can do everything in my business and make sure that I'm doing everything God wants me to do and make sure that I'm starting my marriage off the way that it needs to and building that foundation the way that it needs to and fixing the holes that I found in my business. Like, come on now, who, who can do all that? Like, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that y'all are incapable, but it would really just not be a good use of time to be trying to do everything myself. So because of that, I hire somebody else who I probably need to stop doing this podcast so I can get ready for that. But I hire somebody else who I'm like, OK, I've identified these ways I'm leaving money on the table. Help me pick it back up and put it in my um in my bank account, because as soon as I realize that if my that the core audience of this show, if everybody would have bought bought a, a journal and a book that I would have been a millionaire already, I was like, oh, no, this is something's not right. <laughs> something's not right at all. But, um, yeah, so I'm not naive enough to try to do everything um, on my own. So I want you guys to really think about that question of do you need help? And so this week, I want you to really pray and think about the areas that you need help in and start looking for people. Ask God to bring people across your timeline or ask God to bring people to your remembrance that you need to work with. And anybody that you may be considering working with, make sure that you pray about that, too, to make sure that they're the right person. Because the last thing you want to do is position yourself as a student under somebody that um, is not right for you, somebody that will cause more harm to your business than good. And you definitely don't want to pay him a lot of money to jack everything up. So really make sure that you're praying and asking God for confirmation on who it is that you should work with in discernment. For me, I pray for everybody before I work with them. I'm like, God, is this the person for me? If it's a no, I'm not working with them. I don't care how good their track record is. I'm not working with them. So really make sure that you pray and ask God who you need to work with. Um, And yeah, if you guys know what you're looking for. I know a lot of entrepreneurs who um, have service-based businesses, people I know personally, people that I've worked with, because I told y'all I hire people for things that I don't know how to do. Um, So if you want any like referrals or anything like that, ask me, I'll be glad to send you some people, but even the people I send you still pray about them. I'm not saying that my referrals aren't good, but I want you to always go to God for yourself. When it comes to your life, don't rely on me, no pastor, no nobody. Like, always go to God for yourself. So that's it. I'm going to recap these questions, the main questions, one more time. The first one was, is you um, is where you're spending your time giving you a real return on investment? Number two is, are you collecting enough data to make strategic decisions? Number three, are you leaving money on the table? And then number four, do you need help? I'm going to end the podcast here because we already are over time. If you have questions about anything that I went over, please shoot me an email, Tatum at TatumTamia.com, and I will answer those questions on the next show. I would love to do like a Q&A show, so please bombard me with questions so that I can make sure I answer those for you. Um, you guys have an awesome week, and I will talk to you next week.